Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Remember, a prophet came along and prophesied about Jeroboam that he was going to be the next king. And guess what happened? Solomon, who was the present king, tried to kill him. Not everybody will be happy and applaud your destiny and your call. And the second thing I told you is that destiny will cost you. If you'll remember, because Solomon was chasing Jeroboam, he had to run for Egypt. And he was away from his family, away from his friends. And so he had to become, he, had, he found himself in an uncomfortable situation. And I told you that just because you have a destiny, does not mean that you will never have any problems. It does not mean that you will never have any un- uncomfortable situations. There will come a time in your life if you are destined where, where you will find yourself in uncomfortable situations. And then next I told you that destiny requires you to live carefully. How many of you know that if God has a call on your life, it requires you to live above and beyond reproach, right? You cannot just do anything you want to do and expect God to continue to bless you just because somebody's prophesied over you or given you a great word of faith over your life does not mean that you don't have to live correctly anymore. In fact, when we have a destiny, which you all do, and we all have a call, it requires you to live at a different level and a different standard. We're to live at a high level so people can have a accusations against us that will impact the gospel. And then finally, I told you that your revelation is determined by what? Your relationships. Who you hang out with determines your revelation of God and what you know about God and where you live your life. And so I told you that you you remember the phrase, don't have a cow. Right? Don't hang around cow lovers for too long because if you hang around cow lovers too long, guess what you'll do? You'll love cows. And so we started last week and so we're going to continue this week. And I told you that this morning what we're going to deal with is this. How to handle bull. How many of you have to handle bull on a regular occasion, right? Got some situations in your life. We got to handle bull. I wish I could tell you this morning that you're never going to have any tough situations in your life and that there's never going to be any conflict. But the truth is... There will be situations and times in your life where there will be conflict. And so the way I want to say it this morning is this. You will have to learn how to handle bull. You've got to. So watch this. This will explain it a little better.
All right, how many of you have ever said one of those things? I, I don't know how it started. They're wrong. I'm right. They owe me an apology. They did me wrong. You know what all that's about? It's about bull. It's about learning how to handle bull. In my mind, a bull, a bull means offense. How do we deal with conflict and offense? Uh, you know, conflict is inevitable. Oh, y'all are quiet this morning. Come on, y'all are sitting next to the person you had conflict, right? So you didn't want to say amen? All right. Every, so just whisper it. Amen, right? You had conflict? Okay, I thought so. It's inevitable. And, and I want to read some portions of Scripture to you that I think will prove the fact that it is inevitable. For instance, Luke chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus said this. He said unto, his, unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, You will be offended at some point. All right, then, then we go on, and, and you'll remember in our fourth week of services, those of you that were here, I read to you out of Psalm chapter 133, verses 1 through 3. I read this verse of Scripture as part of our goal and our plan. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. In the King James, it says, when you dwell together in unity. It is like costly anointing flowing down the head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, now listen, yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. And I told you on the fourth week that one of our goals is to have a church and have a body where God's ordained blessing exists and manifests itself not only when we get together for church, but in our everyday life that there is a blessing that is ordained in this place. Now, it says that to, uh, to obtain that blessing, what we have to learn to do is to learn to live in unity and in harmony. But then Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 that offenses will come. There's no way to avoid them. There will, there's no way for you to get around it. At some point in your life, there will come a moment where you will be offended. So why? How do we handle offense? We've got to learn bovine basics. We've got to learn the basics. This is a real basic message this morning to teach us how to handle it when we don't get along with everybody. And so let me just start here. Why do we get offended? What causes offense in our life? I believe there are two main reasons. The first one is this. People don't live up to our expectations. Even Jesus dealt with that because in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58, this is recorded. It says, And coming into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man, whence hath this, man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus wasn't what they expected. Jesus didn't show up the way they expected him to show up. They had grown up around him. He had lived next door to them. They understood who he was. They had seen the zits on his face when he was a teenager. They'd, they'd seen all of his issues and all of his problems. And all of a sudden, Jesus isn't what they expected. And because he didn't live up to their expectations, the Bible says they were offended. And a lot of you get offended because people that you had expectations of don't live up to those expectations. For instance, I thought of some of those. How many of you said, well, they weren't as nice as I thought they were? They were really nice to me at church, but when we went out to eat together and we wanted to establish this relationship, they didn't live up to my expectations and they weren't quite as nice as they were at church. And so now I'm offended and I'm in conflict with them. 
Well, they weren't as spiritual as I thought they were. They glow at church, but when we went to to their house to to eat dinner together, all of a sudden I realized they've got issues just like I've got issues and that bothers me. And now I'm, I'm offended because they didn't live up to my expectations. They didn't live their life the way I thought they were. They argued with their spouse, and I didn't think they ever argued with their spouse. They spanked their kids, and I didn't think they ever had to spank their kids. Right? We get offended because of, of these, un, some of them are unrealistic expectations. It doesn't matter if they're realistic or unrealistic. We put them on people, and when people don't live up to those expectations, we suddenly find ourselves offended and disappointed, disillusioned. And so we get hurt. The second reason that I think that we get hurt is this, and, and this one's, I think, probably true of most of us. We're paranoid. Bottom line, we, we are paranoid. We think everybody is, we actually believe that everybody is out to get us. Uh, we don't go looking, you know, we don't walk through the, the room like this. We're not that kind of paranoid. But we think that everybody else is doing their very best to, to hurt us. And therefore, whether they're really trying to hurt us or not, we get hurt. We, we wear our emotions and our feelings on our sleeves and, and so people can be actually be trying to be nice to us and inadvertently they hurt us and they didn't even mean to. We're paranoid. We think everybody's world revolves around us and we end up getting hurt. Let me just burst your bubble this morning. Not everybody's world revolves around you. All right, every morning you need to get up and look yourself in the mirror and say, not everybody's world revolves around me. Not everybody's out trying to hurt you. Not everybody. They may have looked at you cross-eyed, but they didn't mean it that way. We just took it that way because we're paranoid. We get, we get touchy and we get, why is that? Why are we so touchy? We, we get offended and hurt and we, we get disappointed and, and somebody says something and they didn't even mean it the way it came across, but because they said it, suddenly, we're, oh man, they hurt my feelings. I'll never talk to them again. If they know what they did, if they want to find me, they need to apologize. Come on now. I know we're in church, but that's the way we act, isn't it? We, we get paranoid. Some of us just need to grow up. I'll preach back here. Some of us, come on now. Some of us just need to grow up. We get hurt too easy. We need to get thicker skin. We need to become a, a little bit better at handling uh, people and have people skills and understand that they didn't really mean to hurt us. They weren't out to hurt us. It just happened, and we got to get over it. I didn't know how that one would go over, but now I see. You think I'm talking about you, don't you? You're paranoid, I understand. (laughs) Why do we need to learn how to handle offense? The reason we've got to learn how to handle the bull of life is this, because if we do not, it has devastating results in our life. Now, I could take time this morning and talk to you about the high blood pressure and and the ulcers and the upset stomachs and and all the things that being offended by somebody. How many of you have ever experienced that? Come on now. Maybe it was back when you were a teenager. Maybe you're tougher now than you used to be. But at some point, that girl at school looked at me wrong or they laughed at my clothes and we find ourselves tore up. How many of you have ever been tore up? I've been tore up. Right, And it makes you sick at your stomach and, and you don't feel good. You can't sleep at night and all that kind of stuff. Well, I could go through all that stuff, but let me tell you, th- those are good reasons to learn how to handle offense. But there are some biblical, scriptural, spiritual reasons that we need to learn to handle offense too. There are three of them I want to share you, with you. The first one is this. If you don't learn to handle offense properly, you will become trapped. Let me tell you this. The Greek word for offense is this, scandalon. It's where we get our English word for scandal. But the actual definition of that word scandalon is this, 
bait. That's the literal translation of that word bait. And so what that teaches us is this, is offense becomes bait for you. If you take the bait and you go and ha- ha- deal, you don't deal with the offense properly and you begin to dwell on it and live in it, it will be bait for you for bondage. Offense can bring bondage into your life. It is the bait by which the enemy distracts you into conflict and conflict brings bondage into your life. And from that moment forward, you become a person who carries offense with you. How many of you have ever met somebody that carries offense with them? For they, everywhere they go, they cause problems. Everywhere they go, there's turmoil. Everywhere they go, there's chaos. Everywhere they go, there's a fight. And they don't understand why. They begin to under, ask questions about what's wrong with them. They never find the common denominator and understand that they're the common denominator. They're carrying a fence with them and they find themselves bound. It's bait. Some of you for years have been trying to get loose from bondage and you've tried everything except one thing, giving up the offense that caused you to get in bondage in the first place. Offended people are conflicted people. They cannot let go. There's a constant battle in their soul. And God tells us that we've got to be able to deal with that. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So in order for you to go free, in order for you to be free, it's not about just giving up your addictions. It's not enough just to give up your bad habits. At some point in your life, you've got to get rid of the offenses of your life. The second reason that it's so important is this. If you don't give up the bull of your life, the offense of your life, you will have no ability to bless others. I I remind you of the text I read to you out of Matthew. The Bible says that Jesus, when these people came and they were disappointed and offended in Jesus, the Bible says back in that verse of Scripture that Jesus couldn't do very many miracles there. Why? What what caused him to not have the ability to do miracles? Had he not prayed enough? Had he not fasted enough? Wasn't he still God on earth? Yes, he was. Did he still have power? Yes, he did. Why could he not have the ability to give miracles and do signs and wonders there? Because the people were offended at him. They had no belief. Disbelief. Teaching us this. If you're involved in offense and someone's offended at you or you're offended at somebody, it hampers your ability to bless folks. Jesus was restricted by their disbelief and by their offense saying to us that if you want to be in a position where you can bless people, you cannot have offense operating in your life because you no longer have the ability to bless anybody. It's quiet in here. You want to be a blessing? I want to be a blessing. I want to bless people everywhere I go. But if I am involved in conflict and offense, I am no longer positioned where I can bless anybody. Then the third reason is this. Not only will you not be able to bless other people, you will not be blessed. I can prove it to you out of God's Word. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, says this, And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. Teaching us this. Not only does offense keep you from blessing anybody, if there is offense operating your life and you come to the altar and you pray and say, God, I need this, 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 and this, and we give him our laundry list, at that moment, if there's offense in your life, you are not positioned to be blessed either. Well, if I have hard feelings against them, it'll just hurt them. No, it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts you too. Because there's a blockade built between you and God. How many of you have ever been in the position where your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling? I've been there. 
And if you trace them back, a lot of times you figure out that the reason they're hitting the ceiling is there was a fence in there and you had a hard feelings to get someone and the Word teaches us that we got to deal with that first and then come back to the altar. Offense. Well, how do we deal with bull? How do we handle offense? Here's where it gets real basic. Now, the great thing about being in a church plant this young is this. I can preach... And I can honestly say I don't know of any of this that's going on in the body now. So we're setting groundwork of how we're going to handle offense from this moment forward. Because look at your neighbor and say, you will be offended. All right, look at your other neighbor and, say, and, and tell them, at some point you're going to be mad at me. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. I know they look nice and sweet right now, but at some point they're going to, they're going to make you mad. And so we've got to learn how to deal with this. So here are the the steps. Let me just say this before I list the steps. Underwriting principle. Are you ready for it? If we are going to handle offense properly, we have to take this whole book and apply it. We don't get to pick and choose what parts of this book that we believe and we don't believe. This is a package deal all or nothing. We believe it all or we don't believe any of it. Even if there's a part in here that makes us uncomfortable. I, I had an experience about a year and a half, two years ago. I was dealing with this guy that he, he called me on the phone and he was offended and he was, in, he was upset with somebody. And, and I just took him to God's Word and I said, okay, here's what the Word says. You need to do this, 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 and this. And he said, no. And I said, what? You, you said you would do whatever God says to do. And he said, you're right. And I said, well, this is what God says to do. And he says, no. And it took me back, and I said, what are you saying? And he's saying, that part doesn't work for me. And I said, have you tried it? No, I haven't, but I'm not going to either. That's what he said. It doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. Let me tell you this morning, if you don't deal with the whole book, you're not believing any of the book. And so as an underlying theme this morning, we need to understand that we've got to take this whole thing and apply it even if we don't like the process. Because there is a very specific process listed for handling conflict. Are you ready? The first one is this. Step one, overlook offense quickly. Overlook the offense quickly. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 says this. Overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten onto a slight and goodbye friend. I like this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Be even-tempered. Content with second place. Listen, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you. That's pretty powerful right there. Well, you just don't understand, Steve. You don't know what they did to me. You don't understand, Steve. I need some time to process this. See, we've bought this lie that time heals all wounds. And the truth is it doesn't. You can be just as depressed and just as angry and just as disappointed six years from now with that spouse. Time doesn't heal that. You know what heals that? Forgiveness. We have got to come to the place where we forgive quickly. Aren't you glad it didn't take Jesus six days to get over what you'd done? I thought about all the things I've done wrong in my life. And I said, God, you know what? I am so thankful that you didn't have to go, wait a minute, I think I'm going to have to think about this one a while. Instant forgiveness. We've got to come to the place in our life where we are willing to quickly let go so that it doesn't put us into bondage. In a moment's notice, you hurt me, but that's all right. I know that even if you meant it, I give forgiveness to you and I get over it. 
quickly. We overlook offenses quickly. Step two, don't keep score. Oh, we think we think relationships is like sports. We're supposed to keep score, right? Oh, come on now. Some of you got little sheets you're tallying, putting tally. Okay, they didn't make the bed this day. They didn't clean up their mess in the kitchen this day. And we keep score. But that's totally opposed to what the Word teaches. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it says this. Be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's, it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day. And seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Are you supposed to say, uh, I know how you are, you'll, you'll do me wrong again. We're supposed to slam the door in his face and say, ah, you've done this to me before. Burn me once, shame on you, burn me twice, you, you know. No, he says, forgive instantly. Don't keep score. Quit, quit counting up who's done who wrong. Some of you have been really hurt by folks. We, we, we don't, we don't d- diminish the fact that some of you have been brutalized by folks. In a, in a crowd this size, I know that there have been people in, in this room right now that have been mistreated and mishandled and done wrong. And if we knew everything that you've been through, we would recognize that it has been a nightmare for you. But the Word says to forgive them. As hard as that may be, even if they keep coming back and doing it again and again and again, it is our obligation to forgive them. So the second step is this. We don't keep score. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't keep a count on me. Thank you, Mike. Don't, don't, don't count how many times I mess up, right? Come on, husbands and wife, come on, this is good. This is about relationship. Look at your husband and your wife. The, the wife really needs to, <clears throat> or is it the other way? Does the husband really need to say, wife, don't keep score on me? I don't, okay, yeah, Mike said it's the husband's. Right? Come on, tell your spouse, don't keep score. Third step, <clears throat> about to lose my voice, I'm out of shape. <clears throat> Hadn't preached in two weeks. Third step, follow the pattern for resolution. Okay, it's all or nothing. I'm getting ready to lay it out for you right here. We overlook offenses quickly, we don't keep score and we follow the pattern of resolution. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 25. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and you are about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Catch that now because I'm going to come back to that. You suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen... Take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with a need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. I want you to notice the pattern this morning. Here it is. Are you ready? If you remember that somebody has something against you, 
It is your responsibility to go and find them and make it right. One-on-one. Not only that, if you have something against somebody else, whose responsibility? Well, they know what they did. They, they probably don't know what they did. If somebody, if, if somebody hurts you, guess whose responsibility is to fix it? Theirs? No. It's yours. Here is the order. Notice this pattern. One-on-one in love. If they won't listen, we take impartial witnesses. Don't stack the deck against them. Let's go get him. No, impartial witnesses. We deal with it in a group. And if that doesn't work, we take it to the whole church. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do we do it backwards? What, what, what is our issue? Why are we so comfortable with going backwards in this process? Because what we will do is we'll tell everybody first. And then when it's the last ditch effort and we can't get out of it, then we'll go deal one on one. Why? Because we've become comfortable with backbiting and gossip and slander. And we've brought the world standard and operation into the church and said, this is how we'll operate. This is how they do it at work. So this is how I'm going to do it in my spiritual relationships. No, it doesn't work that way. We have to follow the, the pattern for resolution. And the resolution pattern is this. Even if I'm uncomfortable, even if I don't like it, even if I'm not good with conflict, my responsibility is to come to Max if I have a problem with Max or if Max has a problem with me. And look him in the eyes and say, Max, here's the deal. I love you, but you hurt me. Or, I love you, and I know you're hurt at me, and I didn't mean to hurt you. Instead of, hey, y'all, guess what? Max did me wrong. That don't have nothing to do with Max. He's a jerk. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we want to compartmentalize our lives and say that our spiritual walk has nothing to do with our relationships, and it has everything to do. In fact, hear me this morning. I've already told you this. You come in here, you can dance all you want to. You can shout all you want to. You can raise your hands and slobber all over yourself all you want to. If there's aught between you and your brother and you know about it, you're wasting your time. Why? Because there is a commanded blessing that takes place when we're in harmony and in unity. We become comfortable with verbal assault. Some of you could file charges right now on some folks because they verbally assaulted you. Listen, I am calling you to a higher level this morning. I'm, I hope you catch what's happening here. I'm laying out groundwork for us as a church. I'm not going to put up. We're not going to put up. Look at your neighbor saying, we're not putting up with. Come on. We're not putting up with, with telling everybody and fighting it all out in public when the, the Word declares that we're supposed to deal with one another carefully and we're supposed to handle one another carefully and the, what we are supposed to do and obligated to do if we're going to live up to this Word is to talk to one another one on one. Now, how many of you want to be blessed? I do. Well, let me challenge you this morning. Can I tell you who gets blessed? Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You want to be blessed? Bring peace into the house. Bring peace into the house. How many of you want to be hated by God? I see those. No, I don't see any hands. I don't want to be hated by God. But according to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19, is part of a list of seven things that God hates. You know what the last one is he lists? He says this, I hate a troublemaker in the family. 
or another version says it like this, I hate the one who sows discord amongst the brethren. I don't want to be hated by God. And if we deal with things publicly that God, we have never followed the pattern, we've never handled the bull correctly, we've never dealt with the offense and the conflict correctly and gone and talked at one-on-one first, if we don't do that, we will be hated by God. That's not my words. Don't look at me and say, I'm mad at you, Pastor Steve. See, some of you are offended right now because I just told you you're being hated, but God's a hater on your life. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I said God will hate you if you have offense and you stir up offense. That's not my words. That's His word. We are obligated to handle the bull correctly. So I am calling you this morning, get rid of grudges. Hey, I don't want to, I've been a part of church, not here in Oklahoma City, don't get me wrong. I was in a part of a church in another part of the country where people would not talk to each other for years. I, I'm not talking like two months, I'm talking 20 years they wouldn't talk to one another. They would sit on the opposite side of the rooms. They would come in different entrances of the sanctuary so they didn't have to talk to one another, look at one another, have any dealings with one another, and they would never deal with the bull in their life, and it brought bondage to the entire house. I don't want to be a part of church like that again. I don't want somebody over here so mad at somebody over here that they won't look at one another. I don't want somebody over here looking at somebody over here raising their hands going, oh, how are they raising their hands? They know how they acted last week. I saw how they... Come on. I, look, we're only four months old, but I'm telling you right now, it's time to grow up. We've got to grow up and learn to love one another because when we dwell in unity, there is a commanded blessing that will fill our lives. Bovine Basics. Your relationships determine your revelation. How you deal with bull determines whether you're blessed or can be blessed. We've got to learn to deal with conflict. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, it, conflict, come on, tell them, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, let me just make a promise. I, I, I try not to make very many promises to you. Here's one right now. You ready? Hear me. At some point, you're going to be mad at me. I can promise you right now, as sure as I'm standing here, at some point I'm going to do something to tick some of you off. Ever had a preacher promise that to you before? <laughs> I'll make a decision. I'll move your favorite chair. You can tell I've been in church a long time, right? The flowers you bought, I'll have pushed them off to the side because they were in the way and not everybody like, you know, come on now. Come on. And at some point, you're going to be mad at me. You're obligated to come talk to me about it. No more roast pastor for lunch. I don't think that's happened here, but I'm just, I'm, I'm bringing my baggage in right now. I'm just getting to say what I wished I could have said everywhere else. I get no more roast pastor. Come on now. We've got to learn to relate to one another and handle each other according to this book. This book, hear me, works every time. Deal with your bull. The bait that you took has put some of you into bondage and it's time to go free. I want you to stand with me this morning. The truth is, is that some of you need to deal with conflict now.
There are relationships that you're in now, some of them in this room, some of them outside this room, that you need to go handle today. Come on, one more time. How many of you want to be blessed? Most of you. Here's the process. You want to be blessed? You got to deal with the conflict. Got to. One-on-one. Let me tell you this this morning. Some of you are in bondage because there is a relationship that's out of order in your life. It's your relationship with Him. And listen, if God is against you, you can't win. But if God is for you, you can't lose. But some of you, God is against you right now because there's a broken relationship between Him and you. Let me tell you, the only way that can happen, the only way that it can be healed and restored is one-on-one. I can't get your relationship with God right for you. It's gonna, it follows the process. You've got to go one-on-one and say, Lord, I give you my heart, my life. I want you to bow your heads this morning. Father, we are thankful this morning that you're willing to bless us. You're a good God. In fact, we could say this morning that already we're blessed beyond measure. You've been better to us than we ever deserved. But Father, we declare this morning that according to your word, you said if we would bring peace into the house, you would bless us. And so God, we want to be peacemakers and peacekeepers. So Father, if there are relationships in our lives, you know every relationship that we have. We can't hide it from you. We, if there's a relationship in our life that maybe there's a person in this room or maybe there's somebody that doesn't come to church here in another church, in another state, in another nation even, that there's conflict and hurt that has us in bondage. Father, this morning, I ask you to give us the strength, the courage, the guts. To forgive I don't want my prayers blocked Lord I don't want my gifts ignored and so Father I lay them down first at your feet and I ask you to help me to deal with my unforgiveness see I don't know who you're dealing with this morning right now if you're here and, and you've got hard feelings towards somebody somebody's hurt you or you've hurt somebody and you know that they have a grudge against you I don't know who those folks are but you do And right now I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring those people to your memory. And forgiveness would overtake your spirit and your heart. And courage would well up within you to where you would step out and make it right today. Father, that's my prayer. Let every offense be dropped. It was bait to try to... to try to get us into bondage we drop it this morning and we lay it at your feet and we ask you to walk us into freedom in Jesus name in Jesus name every head bowed every eyes closed if you're here this morning you say Pastor Steve the relationship that I'm conflicted with right now is my relationship with God I'm not where I need to be maybe you've been in relationship with God in the past and, and something's happened and maybe you don't feel like God answered you when he was, you expected Him to. Maybe you're disillusioned with God and you're not in relationship with Him like you need to be and that's you and you need help with that this morning. I just simply want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. I promise I won't embarrass you. Yes, several. About six or seven folks raise their hands saying they're in conflict with God right now. 
Anybody else? We're going to wait one more second. I want to resolve it with God right now. This is what I want us to do. The Bible declares very specifically that we're to carry one another's burdens. I want you to turn and get, a, get your hands on somebody. Some of you are standing next to folks that raised their hand and said, we're, we're conflicted with God. I want you to turn right now. Come on, turn and get your hands on somebody. Some of the folks standing next to you raised their hand. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.